Welcome to the Wealthier Together podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to help women cultivate wellness in all areas of their lives. And so today I'm going to be talking with Jenna Lesner of Simply Nurtured. And basically, she runs online courses on nutrition and emotional eating that teach you to love your body and to help you understand how your emotions are impacting your food choices. She also works with individual clients, both locally and remotely, to help them change their relationship with food. Jenna is an emotional eating coach, a certified holistic nutritionist, nutritional consultant, and a precision nutrition level one coach and a scientist. So welcome, Jenna. How are you doing today? Good. Yourself? I am doing well. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Um, well, I've been using food as comfort. It's been my fallback pretty much my entire life. And so I struggled with obesity because of that, with that unhealthy relationship with food. And when I graduated university with a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture in 2010, so almost nine years ago now, um, my weight climbed to 295 pounds. So I can recall that day I stepped on the scale and saw that number staring back at me. That was a turning point in my life. And it was at that point that I vowed I would never reach 300 pounds. And so it's been through my 130 pound weight loss that I've developed tools that help me get out of the vicious cycle of emotional eating and finally gain my health back. And it's those tools that I help with clients. And so through my formal education and experience, personal experience, I believe nutrient dense foods are the key to optimal health. Um, Nurturing the body starts with whole food, but I also believe that it's not really about the food. Um, That's how we view food and our relationships towards food is the bigger issue. And it's a much harder issue that most people shy away from. Um, So keeping the weight off for six years now, I wouldn't say it's because nutrition became my passion, but because I learned to have a healthy relationship with food. And like in our society, it's easy to, because this, our relationship with food is developed early, like in childhood. Mm-hmm. And so food is used as a reward. And so if that starts early, yeah. it's very difficult to really know that that's a pattern unless, you know, your health is affected in some way. Totally. And looking at those belief patterns is, is part of the work that I do with clients and, and where they come from and then trying to reprogram those limiting beliefs for sure. I think that's definitely very important. A lot of people think nutritional nutritional coaching or consulting is basically just what you eat. And Mm -hmm. I tell people it's a lot of, it's more mindset and really understanding your patterns Mm -hmm. and reframing those patterns because food is a tool. Personally, I don't believe in good or bad foods. I, Mm -hmm. I believe that it's you first have to nurture your body and then you can also treat it. So that is my approach. So I don't really advocate any particular diet, but whatever diet works that you can stick to, because if you don't stick to it, you know, there's really no, no point. So I think that a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of emotional, a lot of history with how they develop their relationship with food. Yeah. And that's why I've like moved my business into that practice is because in the beginning, I realized that it's not that people need to be told what to eat. It's the practical aspect of it, of why they're not doing it. There's so yeah. much information online of like what healthy is. And I don't think it's not necessarily an education thing of like what's not healthy and what is healthy, though there is some of that. But 
the majority of it's like, well, why am I not able to do this? Yeah. Right. Just identifying those behaviors that are behind that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's, that's the hard work that has to be done. And, you know, a lot of people will shy away from that because it's not like it, like they say, success is not linear. So this yeah. is not a linear process. And so, you know, there are days that someone's going to do well and their days are going to slip up. And I think self-compassion comes in with that, like realizing that you are a human being and that mm-hmm. human beings slip up. And then, you know, it's not all or nothing that you can come back and get back on track. I think a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, or just this past weekend, someone was like, oh, I had too many cheat meals. And I was just like, okay, I, I just met them. They're, so I, I don't give advice to people that don't ask me. So I just thought yeah. to myself, oh goodness, there's a lot packed in between that statement. So yeah. I don't even use the word cheat in my vocabulary. When clients bring up a cheat meal, I'm like, well, what are you cheating on? <laughs> That's true. Right? That's very true. Yeah. That's true. So what is emotional eating? And then why is it even harmful? Uh, so I define emotional eating as consuming large quantities of food in response to feelings instead of actual physical hunger. Um, so I like to call that the act of eating one's feelings. Uh, so it isn't necessarily just negative emotions either, as most people would associate, but a lot of people eat when they're happy or in a state of joy. Um, and I would say it's harmful because it establishes an unhealthy relationship with food Um, So you can become emotionally attached to food, even though it doesn't have the capacity to emotionally attach to you. And so with emotional eating, you're basically using food as a coping mechanism for the emotions you're experiencing. Um, Maybe avoidance of of emotions is a better description um, because no amount of food can keep your feelings at bay. And so that often leads to excessive eating in an attempt to do that. And that's when your eating can get out of control. And we know that the negative effects of overeating have on your health and have um, negative long-term consequences. That is very true. Mm-hmm. So what are some triggers that lead people to eat emotionally? Uh, it really depends on the, the person. So there is definitely an unconscious part to emotional eating. So some people just aren't simply aware of what or why they're eating. So really tuning into your body in that sense can help. And there is also the case of like not fueling properly. So if you're waiting until you're like physically starving, you're leaving yourself up for trouble. Um, because when you're in that emotional state, you're not making rational decisions and you're not eating mindfully when your blood sugar crashes. So that is very true. And then on a deeper level, like people eat emotionally to avoid feelings. Like I know I did. I used food to cope with every emotion that I could. And numbing with food was like my go-to. And the problem is that when you numb, you're also missing out on good emotions. And I'm going to quote Brene Brown because I think she said it best that you can't selectively numb pain um, because when you numb pain, you also numb happiness and joy. And also in the same sense, food could be their only pleasure. Uh, So it could be the only thing that they're looking forward to at the end of a hectic day. 
And interestingly, uh, research has shown that refined sugar releases a dopamine response in the brain. So that's the neurotransmitter associated with pleasure. And that's why it can be so hard to quit sugar and stay on a healthy diet. And the last point, the probably the biggest trigger that I see is shame. So shame is a powerful emotion, and it's actually related to 43% of binge eating. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And the reason behind that is because when you're in shame, what we need most is the same thing that we believe we're unworthy of. So to combat shame is to share your story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding. So that might be a trusted family member, a friend, a therapist, or an emotional eating coach. So how do you help your clients kind of reframe that relationship with food? So if someone is feeling shame or they're trying to avoid their um, emotions by eating, just mm -hmm. some basic, basic tips on how to kind of help them through that process. Right. So I think awareness is always the first step. So before you eat, ask yourself, why am I eating? Am I physically hungry or am I feeding an emotion? And then can you identify what emotion is present? And then looking at what do you really need in that moment? Because most of the time it's not food. So I have clients write out action plans. So once they've identified which emotions trigger them to eat, find something else that they can do in that moment when that emotion comes up that is more constructive in a healthy way. And then, so for example, say if they're eating out of loneliness, I call my mom because what I want when I'm lonely is connection. It's not mm -hmm. Food's not going to provide that for me. And then I ask them to post that action plan either on the cupboard door or the fridge door somewhere that they're going to see it when they're in that mind state. That is good. That just that awareness and that daily reminder that, hey, I have this action plan. If I'm yeah. sad, I need to, if they have a puppy, play with the puppy, call a friend, mm -hmm. something else instead of Basically, what you're trying to get them to do is to develop, to develop a coping mechanism that does not have to do with food. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we kind of touched on this, but what are some ways that women can stop eating emotionally? So you said awareness, identifying yeah. those emotions. Also balancing the diet. So if you're skipping meals or are you filling up on processed carbohydrates and not consuming enough healthy fats or proteins or vegetables, um, so when your diet is balanced, it actually helps calm your emotional state and reduces stress in the body. And then I also think that sleep is an underutilized tool. So in today's society, I feel like we kind of pride ourselves on sleeping less. But when you're sleep, de sleep deprived, you actually produce more adrenaline. So that's your hunger hormone and less leptin, your satiety hormone. So your body's telling you to eat more food because it wants energy. Where do we get energy? From food. And there was a study out of the University of California that examined the effects of sleep deprivation on the emotional processing centers of the brain. And they found that after a good night's sleep, um, it can help regulate your mood and cope with emotional challenges better. And in fact, it was while in a state of sleep deprivation that emotional centers of the brain were more than 60% more reactive. So I suggest making sleep a priority. <laughs> in our lovely society that does not prioritize sleep. And, no. you know, people are comparing how sleep deprived they are as right. a badge of honor. I think oh. it's definitely very important because without sleep, those hormones, like you're saying, are out of balance. And even the microbiome that talks yeah. to the brain 
Exactly. Anytime, I think it's just like just a few hours of sleep or just missing one night can affect the microbiome. So you have, it switches that balance where you have the beneficial and those opportunistic. When you are not getting enough sleep, inflammation increases. And of course, those opportunistic bacteria are talking to your brain and who knows because they've said that it actually, your microbiome can control cravings. So that's a whole other area. Sleep is definitely very underutilized in our society. I agree with that. And the one other technique that I've just started recently using with clients is EFT tapping. So that's emotional freedom technique. So tapping on specific meridian points in the body can produce a calmer emotional state. So if you're in that state of you realize that you are emotional eating, that you can bring your center back down. Okay. Um, and then I do have like a, a tutorial on EFT tapping on my website under my five-day stress eating challenge, and it's free to enroll. So, okay, cool. I'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah. So how can li- listeners separate true hunger from emotional hunger? I love this question because I think most people have disconnected from their hunger cues. Um, so physical hunger cues can be empty stomach, stomach growling, having a lack of energy, which may also be associated with poor sleeping patterns. Um, and then like headache, lightheadedness, grumpiness. Um, if you're shaky, you're weak, which I would all relate to blood sugar imbalances. So you're not balancing your diet appropriately. You're not timing meals effectively and, and, or you're not eating foods that support blood sugar management. So focusing on like a high protein breakfast helps balance blood sugar instead of one that's heavily focused on processed carbohydrates. So I would suggest checking in with your body before each meal or snack. Um, and for a week, raise your hunger. So if one is like stomach growling hunger and you're almost like dizzy or weak and 10 is like 150% stuff from Thanksgiving dinner that you're so uncomfortable that you almost feel sick. Um, so it's like, where on the scale do you lie? And so I would like, my suggestion is to eat when you're at a three or four and then stop eating when you reach a five or six or 80% full. But if you wait till you're one or two on that scale, then you're more likely to overeat because you're ravenous. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So basically, running to Starbucks and getting that latte, mocha, whatever, and that muffin, basically it's cake uh, yeah. for breakfast, is not the best way to start off the day for your blood no. sugar. No, no. High protein is, is way better for blood sugar balance. And if that's the issue with your emotional eating, then it can definitely help. And I know so many of my clients where we've worked with meal plans and they're like, wow, like I, I don't feel as emotional when I am having breakfast and eating properly balanced meals. So it's super interesting. And that makes sense because a lot of people are, are, you know, they're busy, they're on the run. They feel like they don't have enough time to plan their meals, which we all have time. It's just the priority. And they're just like, well, I'm used to going to Starbucks and getting that, whatever coffee drink, the largest size and going there, like some people go four or five times. Yeah. And I'm like, that is just all liquid sugar and yeah. you're eating in addition to that. So I think that 
many, not all of the, you know, chronic conditions like obesity and diabetes are basically if you can really hone in on making sure you get enough sleep for your, because everyone requires a different amount of sleep. So some people will sleep the full eight, some people they're good at seven and a half, just making sure they get enough sleep and then managing their blood sugar levels. Just doing those two things can really kind of help their emotions kind of level out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that point about Starbucks. And my first thought was, if you have time to go stand in a Starbucks line, you have time to prep a smoothie in the morning, right? That's true. That line is long. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. It's, and then, you know, some people may not realize that they're standing in that line too long because it's habit. They're like, yeah. I'm going to stand in this line. So yeah. that is a very good point. Very good point. So how can listeners identify the triggers that lead them to eat emotionally? So I know you talked about being aware and asking themselves questions before they decide to eat. Are there any other cues or things they can kind of look at to help them identify what their triggers are? Um, that's the main one that I use. And it's like making a decision at that point. So are you going to eat anyways once you've recognized that decision or are you going to choose to handle your emotion in a more effective and healthy way? And then looking at like, what, what's the emotion present? Um, you can reprogram behavior, um, the behavior of reaching for food by consciously choosing another path. Um, but you have to make that conscious decision um, to create a new habit instead of numbing with food. So again, the action plans are one of the main tools that I start clients with. And just the act of writing that out um, can be so beneficial because you'll recall it faster once you write it out. That's true. And then also the accountability that you provide, because usually if someone knows they have to answer to someone later for something, they're more prone to, you know, actually follow through. And I've started giving clients accountability checklists. So did they eat mindfully today? Did they um, go to bed on time? Did they drink enough water? And those simple, seem like simple tasks, but that's their accountability. And we check in at the end of the week and see how good they did to keep them on track. That's good. And a lot of times someone just needs, a lot of people just need that accountability. They just, because we really just kind of operate for the most part on autopilot instead of making intentional choices for the benefit of our health. So when someone disrupts that and they're like, hey, you know, did you drink water? When did you go to bed? You know, when someone's asking you questions, it kind of disrupts that and you're forced to think, okay, did I do this? And then why didn't I do it? Do that. So I think that's good. Kind of disrupting accountability disrupts those patterns, those automatic patterns and habits that they have. Right. I almost think it goes back to self-worth though, too, because they would do all of those things for their kids, right? Very true. They take care of them and they value them, but a lot of people don't see that same value in taking care of themselves. I always like to use that airplane analogy with clients of your oxygen mask on first, right? Yeah. So so important. And that's kind of ironic. Someone I interviewed on burnout and that was the Mm -hmm. same thing. She was like, she mentioned the oxygen mask analogy. Mm -hmm. And then she also mentioned this knot analogy. She said, everyone has like a, a pretend you have a string and then you have a knot. And she said, some of us are so busy fixing everyone else's knots that we Mm -hmm. have no idea 
what our knot is doing. And so she, she kind of tied that into our emotions. So in, because a lot of people, especially if they're people pleasers or caregivers, they numb their emotions by caring for others. But the thing yeah. is, it makes you less efficient and more prone to burnout. And all of this is all inter, interrelated, but yeah. I think that's kind of very important and that made me think about that. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are some ways to deal with emotions that trigger emotional eating? So I know you talked about reframing and finding other things to do, um, making that decision to develop other coping mechanisms. Are there any other points you have on that? Um, Well, I have been studying mindful embodiment lately with a yoga nidra coach and just the act of holding space for the emotion, even if it's just 30 seconds, you can do anything for 30 seconds. And it's this, this too shall pass. Like you'll notice your emotions are like a wave. So they may peak if you just sit there with them, but they'll also dissipate naturally. And then you'll be able to address whatever situation triggered you more calmly. Um, So I find that fascinating of just the act of like holding space for that emotion. And then, as I mentioned, EFT tapping has been huge in the last few weeks in my practice. And so just the tapping on those specific meridian points sends a calming response to the body and to the brain so it knows that it's safe. And what I love about that is like there's even science behind that. So the Harvard Medical School has shown that a stimulation of selected acupoints decreases the activity of the amygdala and other parts of the brain associated with fear. And the Harvard study demonstrated that EFT tapping was able to reduce cortisol levels by 24%. And we know that stress eating is a huge factor in the emotional eating. That is really true. And I'm thinking that the tapping is just disrupting that pattern, right? Yeah. Just think that pattern so that don't continue in, let's say if you're, because if you're stressed, you are going to feel, for most people, that leads to blood sugar imbalances and that does make you want to eat. Like I know when I'm very stressed out, I'll start craving chocolate. That's, you know, it's a magnesium, but I know things I'm aware that I'm stressed out and I'm like, okay, I can have the chocolate. And then I just move on. I'm like, I need to get more sleep. Like having clients develop bedtime routines. I've given clients bedtimes before. And because it's so important that they are getting a good night's sleep. That is true. Mm-hmm. So are there any ways that people can find out more about you? My website. So it's simply nurtured.ca. And then I am very active on Instagram. Um, so my handle is just simply nurtured. It's pretty easy to find. Yeah. Hey, great. Thank you for sharing your expertise on emotional eating and the ways that people can reframe it. And of course, also sharing your story. I know that your story is going to connect with many women and just putting all these pieces together, because I don't think that everyone looks at it in that same context that you were putting it together in. And so I think it's definitely important to, my goal is definitely to educate clients so they can look at those underlying causes. Cause I see, we look at and we say, Oh, we're not eating this healthy, this or that. And yeah. the issue is deeper. And so I really want to, help them see that and put those pieces together so they can reach out and get the help that they need so they can reframe those patterns and develop healthier coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. That's what I love. (laughs) Yes. So thanks again. And thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Wealthier Together podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend.